This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Okay, so listeners, this month we're focused on exploring the ways that you can use win-loss analysis insights to become a champion for your organization. Last week's episode, uh, we explored how sales coaches can leverage buyer feedback within sales coaching. But how do you first share those insights with your sales team in an impactful way, right? How do you disseminate the information and these insights? Sharing is after all caring. So here to explore this with me today is uh, a friend of mine and a colleague, somebody I've worked with for a long time and I have the utmost respect for and just think the, the most of Miss Nicole Andrews Peters report consultant here at Primary Intelligence. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. And I feel the same way. <laughs> oh, that's good. So uh, I'm glad because, you know, we have to work together. You never but, know. You never know. You <laughs> never know. All right, Nicole, before we get started, I know you really well, but I, I need I need our listeners to, to get to know you a little bit. Tell us about you and your experience. Sure. So as mentioned, currently I'm in the role of a report consultant here at Primary Intelligence. You might hear us say PI for shorthand. Um, and really, I spend my day to day engaged with executives and leaders, really exploring ways in which they can, at the organizational level, act on insights provided you know, via our partnership. Um, but really, I've spent the last 10 to 15, if you count grad school, I suppose, but 10 years really emerged in organizational change and development. Um, specifically with an emphasis on that behavior change piece. So many moons ago, um, I did a master's of science in strategic communication that focused on how you take data and make it actionable and, and create behavior change specifically in the uh, health community, but it's, it's done me well and served me well in the business world. Yeah, I would imagine that um, in the health community, uh, it turns out it's the same people that are in the health community that are also in business. Yep. I mean, is that fair? Okay. So, all right, let's, let's get into this. So we're talking about sharing of insights. You are a, a de facto subject matter expert in this regard in your role as a consultant here at primary intelligence. Um, and before we get into how to share, I want to talk about what to share. So, I mean, with, with every organization that, that we work with, everybody has unique issues, but you have to have seen, I don't know, some sort of pattern or common themes that come across people's desk, come across your desk as the most important, you know, themes that, that people want insights for. So from your perspective, what are those most important themes or insights that someone running a win-loss program can share with sales? Sure. And that's a tricky question and, and we'll dig into parts of it, but, but really the truth is, you know, when we share information, it has to be tailored to the needs of the people we're sharing it with, right? They have to have some type of personal connection to it, it has to impact their, their jobs, their roles, their goals, their metrics, um, even specific initiatives within the organization. So coming at all sales teams with the exact same message simply doesn't work, right? Um, and that's happened to every salesperson in some time in their life they've been sort of talked to or at instead of with and, and it's a quick way to get turned off. 
Um, so know what business needs are happening with your, with your people, share insights that are relevant, use your organization's unique language. When the most important thing for me when we're chatting is um, with executives and leaders is we get all this information, but help us tailor it to your business, your language, your people. And the really the goal there is just to increase understanding and get better results as as a kind of end matter. Yeah. So I love that, right? So using those, your specific language can definitely help the insights be more consumable, recognizable. You lower the cognitive load applicable. on the person. <laughs> applicable, right? All of those things. So what are those themes, those common themes that you see that come across the desk? You know, what are maybe some of those most important things that, that we need to share with, you know, what are the insights we need to share? Yeah. I love that question. Um, and really it's the place we start with 90% of the customers we engage with from the beginning, you know, the first, and, and they all say it maybe in different ways, but it's the same three things, right? What's most important to my buyers when making a purchase decision? What do they care about? Um, what are my competitors doing? Who wants to know that, right? Everybody. And then why are we losing and or winning or losing? And the most important thing there is we have different ways of looking at that. So individual rep level, aggregate level, um, any type of kind of cut within enterprise, strategic, small business, mid-market, those types of things. But, you know, what's most important to my buyers? What are my competitors doing? And why are we winning and losing? So we are so aligned. Absolutely. We, that is the, those are the three most consistent things that come across, like you said, in variations, but it, thematically it's the same, the same for almost anybody, especially if they're brand new to win loss, those three things. I want to unpack each of those. Um, so let's, let's start with the first one. Let's start with what's most important to buyers when making purchase, a, a purchase decision, you know, unpack that for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do a disclaimer now. I've been in sales. I love salespeople. I think they are the um, the roots of every organization, right? They're hardworking people whose Absolutely. literal job day to day is their livelihood, right? The action they do is is dependent, and they're unique birds, um, and, and they have some preferences, right? So here's a controversial statement: Salespeople don't really know what's important to the buyer when making a purchase decision. When they win, it was the relationship. We had all this great discovery. We knew exactly what was going on. They did all this great stuff. They as in the purchaser. And in losses, it was price or timing, right? Price or timing. Um, and it just turns out that's not the whole story. In fact, it can be very different. For instance, in my experience, more often than not, and this gets back to it, it's tough for salespeople. Understanding business needs is a critical step. We find that and wins and losses, a lot of performance criteria is pretty equal in terms of impact until you get to understanding business needs. And then all of a sudden you see this total shift in how we're rated and it's direct relation or correlation to whether we win or lose the deal. Um, and so really, how do you unpack that? It can be scary for a salesperson. It entails tailoring their day-to-day -day work, right? Um, and, and doing some tough discovery. Okay. So I love that. Um, one of the things that was, it, and you're right, that was controversial. Um, when when you, when, the problem is if you if you're running a win loss program and you come to a salesperson, and you say, um, so let me tell you something you actually don't know. That's gonna go over like a lead balloon, right? That that not not so good, not not so much. So th although this is an important insight, the way that we communicate it, like you said before, using proper language matters. I mean, have you do you have any examples of this? Have you seen 
it, it go poorly or, or sure. well? What tips or tricks can you give people? And truly it's making it a dialogue with the sales team, right? They, they do know, I shouldn't say that. They don't not know. They just haven't dug into the depth or the levels of insight that we can Fair. provide by getting your buyer's actual feedback, right? So when they say, oh, they weren't a strategic enough partner, right? We get that a lot. They didn't strategically partner with me. Well, salesperson, tell me why they might have that perception. And we dig into the buyer side, so we have an answer for them. Um, but it's really creating a dialogue between this buyer feedback and the sales team around how we can create some best practices, do some better relationship building, whatever they ma that may look like, but stretch those muscles and, and gain a better understanding. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's go to the second question. And, and this one, I think, is... Um, frankly, one of the most important for many organizations, and that's what are your competitors doing, right? So help me unpack this. Let, let's, let's peel this onion. Yeah. And this is interesting because it's actually one of the areas that salespeople feel least confident in. So when we do some sales confidence indexes um, at PI, you know, it's one of the things that we find as, as much as, or as many as 70% 70, 70 of salespeople say, I don't know what my competitor is doing. I don't know their pricing. I don't know their sales motion. I don't know what their top track is. You know, I don't know what landmines they're planting for me. What is it? And when you don't know that, it's hard to um, kind of direct what, what may be coming at you. So understanding what your competitor is doing really help not only the organization at the sales sales leader level, salesperson level, but marketing. You know what people are putting out there. And you can also create... Um, some barriers, or you can kind of attack those without being negative in your sales motion, right? Without having to talk poorly about the competition, you can actually just highlight why you're different or something is a, um, a differentiator for your organization rather than having to, to say something poor, which we have gotten feedback that uh, buyers don't particularly appreciate. Yeah, go deeper here. So I think this is actually really important. Um, one of the, the most traditional means of sales is attacking your competitor in a negative light what do you mean uh, that you've gotten some feedback? We've gotten some feedback. Help our listeners understand. Sure. It's the same idea of kind of, um, you know, if you were to say something, would you say it the same way when the person's in the room, right? Um, and the idea there is it's important for buyers to feel like they're dealing with someone with high, um, high efficacy, high trust, high morals, and maybe when high speak, integrity as well. High maybe integrity, integrity is probably the word I'm looking for there. Thank you. And really it's, so it's, it's being able to take your solution, know what's being said about you and just highlighting what you do best, what you do better, what you can achieve, how you can partner rather than dragging, you know, the, the competitor through the mud. What if, what do we know they're saying about our solution, our capabilities, our weaknesses and addressing them directly? Oh, that's so powerful. Now, the other part that I think I, I really want to get to, and, and I think there's probably a bunch of listeners going, okay, you talked about competitors and immediately tied it back to salesperson confidence. Um, why is it that salespeople lack confidence? You said 70%, up to seven, as much as 70% of people, salespeople may uh, consider uh, competitive intelligence their weakest or least confident area. Why is that important for a sales leader? Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because we, there is so much out there on the internet, but it's more generalized, right? It's it's solution-based, it's kind of research-based or exploratory instead of from your actual buyers who are going through sales cycles with your competitors. So the type of information we get that sales leaders can use is, 
Uh, I mean, it can be targeted down to this type of industry when we're faced with this competitor or this deal size when we're faced with this competitor. These are the types of things they may say about us. Here's how we need to present our solution differently, right? Uh, for instance, we have some organizations that have some very large multi uh, people deals where they're meeting with executives to admin to users, right? And it's important not only that our salespeople get to know each of those areas from their organization, but that our clients actually introduce those same roles within their organization. We wouldn't know that without competitive intel that that was a game changer. Your VP talked to my VP, your user talked to your, your our user, that type of alignment. I love that. So in, in football, yes, I'm doing a football analogy and, and you can hang, you actually talk a better football game than I do. Um, wasn't your dad like a, a football coach in high school or something like that? Or? High school football coach while I was younger. Yeah. yeah. Many, many moons ago. Also. Many moons, well, just last year anyway. So uh, anyway, lo long of the short of the whole thing is um, in football, they call it big on big, right? You want alignment blocking alignment, right? And, and that's what you're talking about. VP to VP, so on and so forth. Um, I, it's so funny you mentioned that. I just got done with what you what you were talking about. We do, do these discovery sessions where we talked, we we do our win loss analysis with the buyer to garner their insights why they did what they did, and then we also talk with the seller to understand what caused what was the root cause of the the perceptions, like you mentioned. Thirty five minutes ago, I got done with a discovery session for one of our customers, and it would they ended up doing a no decision. There was an incumbent in a very specific, a very specific vertical, where um, they have had troubles unseating incumbents in this vertical, and they didn't really fully understand why until we had this discovery session and everything was brought into focus. Well, I've noticed this and this and this and these other deals. It's this vertical. And we've been able to then turn the tide and say, okay, how do we qualify out quicker? And this is this was a, an action item that we we discovered through this process. So I love that tie back to sales confidence. Powerful. All right, let's get to the third one. The last one, which is probably the most common, like the most on the nose question that people could ask. Well, tell me why we're winning or losing. Now you mentioned three levels, which is a, a twist. Tell me more sure. about. Tell me more about this. And this is where I will, our little plug, right? This is where we differentiate ourselves as primary intelligence. And it's at that individual individual deal level, the aggregate level or trend level, um, and at the salesperson level. So what do I mean when I say individual deal level? I mean, your actual, each opportunity by opportunity, we have reasons why you won or lost that deal in real time for the most part. Um, with super detailed reasons, right? Directly related to, to that op. Um, aggregate level. Now, this is what leaders, executives, you know, this is what they want. This is where I spend most of my time is this at the aggregate level. What systematically is broken that we're doing that's holding back our organization from winning more, whether that's at the sales level, the solution level, the company level. Sometimes it might be a reputation issue. Sometimes it may be, um, you know, can can they deliver what they're sold? There may be a reputation or an issue around support out there or something. Anyway, or in pricing, right? Uh, I recently had an organization, a large software company, completely re-engineer a new solution, software uh, pricing structure because they were getting feedback and they didn't actually change the price. They changed the way it was presented to the client because the feedback they were getting is, doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Our partners don't get it. It's not working. Um. 
And then lastly, it's at that salesperson level. And that this is that part's a little different and new to win loss. So imagine your salespeople, individual reps can actually go in. Um, and we are the only partner with this capability at the moment where they can actually see here's exactly why I win and lose top three reasons why I win top three reasons why I lose or my individual deals like we talked about they can go and explore their their direct feedback. Um, it's automated full CR, CRM integration. It, it's pretty neat not a lot of lifting for the salesperson. Um, and when was the last time someone said to you I know exactly why I won this and it wasn't just because I was great. Although that's probably part of it. That's probably part. It's it's like you can't be a jerk and still win all the time, right? Right. But right. Yeah, yeah. No, that that that's fair. So I, I want to go back to this a little bit. So you mentioned three levels. I think it was individual, aggregate, and um salesperson level. Yes. Okay. From your perspective, I want you to look at it just from just from purely your own POV, right? I just want I just want that. Of those three, which one is the most difficult for you as a consultant? right? A, a win-loss consultant uh, to report out on, to deal with, and why? Which which one's the most painful? Sure. Aggregate for sure. Okay. Well, let's unpack that. And, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, and the reason being right, I mean, the our clients who are doing this at the most elite level, best level, getting the most from our partnership, their salespeople are totally bought in. And it's via executive executive presence, right? Mm. Um, but they love it. They're consuming their insights all the time. Um, so they believe it. The aggregate level, what makes it more challenging is you, I'm not in front of executives every single day at the same organization saying, here are the themes, the trends, whatever it may be. It's, you know, biannually, annually, quarterly. And so there's a there's a sense of having to build that trust, share information. And sometimes it may be in um, dispute of some of the currently held beliefs within an organization. And then once something's that way, how do you write the ship, right? How do you change direction? So it takes um, good conversation, good dialogue, excellent data, which we do a great job of, of, of getting, um, and then just some tough conversations. But once we're there, the executives buy in, the salespeople are consuming the data, um, some really remarkable things can, can happen and some fun conversations. You know, um, give, give me an example of what you mean by fun conversations. You know, what, what does that mean? Sure. Um, one of the areas, again, that, that we recently explored was um, a group I work with had changed their sales methodology from something that was more consultative to more prescriptive. And we were getting feedback almost immediately upon that new methodology that buyers weren't having it. Like, these people are coming in and talking at us. Um, it, it's it's really a structure of moving from some old school systems to a new school, lots of cloud, you know, so it's a new mentality for a lot of these buyers. Um, they're having to shift their thoughts and they thought well, young people are coming in here and lecturing me about my business and they don't know. Um, they're not they're not partnering with me. They're not listening. They're not understanding. And And pretty quickly, we were able to give this feedback to the executives who had some heartburn around it. They'd spent some money on a new methodology and they said, you know what, maybe we, sw we swung that pendulum too far. And so we're not going to go all the way back, right? Because you also don't want to create a dizziness within the sales team, but, but let's, let's pull it back a little. 
And let's integrate these two ideas that we need to be experts and we need to be prescriptive, but we can't throw out the discovery process that our sales team have been practicing and working on for so many years and it works really well. So that's one thing that, that comes to mind is they were able to write the ship, you know, instead of it taking an entire annual strategic year and not hitting your numbers and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, what went wrong? You kind of have this pulse always of what might be happening when you do introduce something new and if maybe you need to pull back or, or push harder. Okay. So, and we're going to go deeper into, you know, the expected results of, of win loss and these insights in a, in a few minutes, I want to get there, but I just want to recap. So the, if we're talking about what types of insights we should share the most common three, again, can you repeat those just common three? Individual deal level, aggregate and trend or over time, year over year, it's a better way to maybe say that. And then at the individual sales rep level. Sales rep level. Okay. And specifically around why you're, why they're winning or losing. I want to go to the, the specific sales rep level. You mentioned this before that we're the only partner in the market right now that, that currently has this capability. And you mentioned the automation. Okay. What does this allow this aggregate data for an individual? What does this allow an individual contributor salesperson to do? Yeah. One of my absolutely favorite things it allows to do, and I think sales leaders appreciate this as much as anybody, is it allows peer-to-peer -peer sharing, coaching, understanding, improvement. So you can actually go in and say, oh, I'm Nicole and I'm struggling with this one part, talking about a pricing structure. Who's doing this well? Who, what are, who are my peers that are doing this effectively? And I'm going to go get some coaching from them, or I'm going to go ask them how they do this. And so really it's this you know, personal trends, how to get better, a systematic way of improving. Um, you understand from your buyers without having to ask them, right? You're not putting them on the spot. That's always, I can't tell you how many times I talk to a salesperson. They're like, oh, well, I already had a conversation with them. And I'm like, that's great. Let me share what I learned and you share what you learned and let's see where it matches up. And then undoubtedly where we have some, some differences. Um, so it really helps them create a personal tactical playbook. I think if I was a salesperson, I would demand it of my organization. Um, not always easy, right? But it's, it's worth it. And it's never, you know, meant to be punitive in any way. It really is meant to be a learning, growing, increase your win rate experience. Okay. So thus far, we've talked about the types of insights that are most common that are shared. So for anybody who's running a win-loss program, they might be able to lean on those things. And we, un we unpacked each of those. Okay, let's talk about obstacles. We always have to, we always have to get to the place where some sort of difficulties in our path because hi, we're alive, therefore problems. What obstacles do people bump into when trying to share these win-loss insights? I mean, just sharing what, what, what obstacles they bump into. Yeah. And, and let's just say, we'll start with a list because I know you like lists, right? I am so, a list. I am a list guy. You, you are a list guy. Yeah. I'm a list guy. Uh -huh. You even relist, which is fine, um, but but we'll say so consistent um, executive engagement, right? Not enough data points and data without context, and we can go down that list. But you know, those are the things that anyone who's running a, a win loss um, program, and many many of our clients have tried this internally. I'll be totally honest; they've spent years trying to do it internally, and I have mad respect for them because they've gotten gotten pretty far considering how challenging it can be. Okay. So let's, let's, let's go there. Yes. I do want to unpack each of those. And yes, I am a list man, you know, whatever. I probably drive everybody insane. Probably my kids, my wife, everybody that knows me. It's like, all right, well, what's the, what's the top three. And they're like, okay, enough with the top three, but I have a top three problem. My name is Ryan. I have a problem. <laughs> um, so, 
let, let, let's get into it. I think you mentioned uh, executive buy-in at the top. Why is this a problem? And, and it, I don't think it was buy-in, it was engagement. Engagement was the word you used. Sure. So help me understand this. Yeah, not just buy-in, but you know, real engagement. Our numbers show that programs are four times more likely to have actual increase of win rates when we have executive level um, not just involvement, but buy-in. So what does that look like, right? It means that they're actually um, using the insights, having action-oriented meetings with other executives, truly trying to apply how it apply how it um, will impact their, their current strategic initiatives. One thing that we talk about all the time, um, I was just on a call late last week with a healthcare organization and he says to me, the CEO says to me, oh, well, if we had, um, we just had a meeting and the only thing we did was talk about magic wand questions, right? Just things we want to know if we had a magic wand. And I said, can I have that list, please? Because I'm happy <laughs> See, look, to look, you want list two. You want list two. I've never denied being a lister. Definitely not. <laughs> um, and I, I, but really, I mean, so, so how do we get involvement? Um, it's two things. Let's also, we have to address what's most important to your executives and tie it back to the initiatives and the things they're thinking about every single day. And then we have to create um, some pressure around the insights that we are seeing and help them understand how it impacts their business today. Okay, so you, magic wand. I've heard uh, other iteration. Uh, let, let's compare notes. What are some other iterations of the magic wand question? What, what's what keeping else? you up at night? I said, would say is the most popular way of saying it, right? Totally. I hear that. I hear burning questions. Yep. I hear um, most important initiatives, strategic questions. Is there anything else you hear? I, I think you've covered them. But my absolute favorite thing to be able to say to an executive that says that is I can actually just ask your buyer that. Isn't that a crazy idea? It fundamentally, you have the question. We can we can answer the question for you. Yeah. Literally. Powerful. All right. Second obstacle that, that we bumped into, I think you said uh, data points, not enough data points. And for statistical nerds, we're talking about small n, big, big n, small n, right? Volume. So, yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah, and there's two ways to look at it, really. Um, and I think they're both equally important. Super hard to do within a traditional win-loss program. It's cost prohibitive. It's manual. There's a lot of permissions and levels to go through. Hey, salesperson, can I talk to this person? Can I do this? Can I do that? Is it bad timing? Is it good timing? Um, lots of Excel lists and just barriers, right? Um, with that automation tool that we talked about earlier, it's all the deals. It's all the deals if you want all the deals. It's a majority of the deals um, because it's integrated within your CRM system. So when your salespeople close deals, we send out requests for feedback. Um, so when people say, well, this isn't a good representation of our deal environment. Well, it is because we're sending it to all of your deals. Um, and there's certain ways we can hold back on that, of course, and it's not, it's not so black and white, there is gray, but um, in full transparency on our end, we encourage all deals um, and that helps with that volume point. The other thing is, you know, I should pause, any thoughts or questions on, on that part, the all deals CRM driven? Yeah, no. So I, all deals 100% of the time. Uh, the question that I have is more around uh, impact. So you sit in a, you actually a fairly unique position, having been a traditional win loss program director, run helping other organizations run traditional win loss. 
you lived through the transition that our organization has gone through, is going through from a traditional win-loss provider or vendor to an, you know, automated win-loss. Um, what are maybe, I don't know, what are some of your key learnings that the most impactful things that you've seen happen as a result um, of, of this transition from traditional to automated sure. as it pertains to end? And not to revisit it, but it's really that information we can get at the individual deal rep level, right? So when you're doing it in a traditional way, you might have three, four, five deals annually for a salesperson, which means it aggregates to maybe 30 deals for the whole organization, maybe 50, you know, in, in a year. Uh, with the automation, the biggest, the biggest is that we can now have 30, 40, 50, 100 deals for a single salesperson. So they can be really confident in the trends we're seeing and really make changes without having to worry that they're uh, being misled, right? Mm. Um, and then furthermore, the executives, when we do those aggregate work, we have a volume or an end number that looks really strong. I, I will say that the other part of this not enough data points is that um, there is a number and it doesn't have to be in the hundreds where we can get some confidence around what we'll call emerging trends, right? Things we can start talking about. It doesn't need to be astronomically large. Um, it, it can't be too small. And, and we know that uh, from a statistical standpoint, but there is some emerging trend numbers where I often think of that phrase of, you know, if one person raises their hand and asks a question in, in the classroom and people snicker and the teacher says, you know, there is no stupid question, right? And that's true because if one person has it, oftentimes many people have that same question. They're just too scared to ask. I think that trend also applies to win-loss where, you know, if one or two or three clients are, you're starting to hear something or experience it, there's probably more than three clients experiencing it. What we'll do is then we'll dig in harder to understand it, get the volume, get the evidence we need to start exploring it at a different level. Um, but even then it can kind of gear us toward how to get enough data to, to make some really strong impact statements. Yeah, so that, that's awesome. Another impact that I see that I have seen is speed. Um, so, I mean, gosh, Nicole, when you were running win-loss, how long, how long would it take? Okay, let me just, we, we haven't talked about, how long would it take for sample, for deals that were closed out to finally hit our outreach and, and start methodology how, sometimes i mean what, what do you I mean, look at sometimes six months right and it, how does that impact re relevancy i mean right. you become almost irrelevant when you're that far behind the person's forgotten a lot I, I can't remember what i had for dinner last night let alone you know how you know what what happened with uh with reality six months ago and related to executive buying, of course, then we can't produce things on a quarterly basis. We're producing something on an annual basis, and then it's old news, right? And we lose it's, that credibility. So yeah. it also increases the uh, recency effect in which we can engage with leaders. Wait, okay. Help me understand recency effect. What is this? So if we have more volume, right, and it's happening on a more a, a consistent cadence, then we can produce that aggregate trend report data quarterly, right? It doesn't have to be once a year after after the ship has sailed, that deal is done. We've actually already even rewon them. So you're like really old news. Um, we can do it in that quarter for the quarter. We can do it for previous quarters, which is the most common way and understand what's happening in real time with our buying environment, which is really important with how fast things are shifting these days. Yeah. Okay. The last piece you, you offered in terms of obstacles was, um, contextualization uh you know data contextualization yeah. uh, okay so this is something that you and i talk about have been talking about for 
18 months and have have done major what I would consider strides in uh, share with our listeners what they should do to help give data a soul. Yeah. So data without without context, right, is is soulless. So so we spend probably the majority of our time as report consultants when we're not in front of clients doing reports talking about this this particular piece. And we actually, I'll be completely honest, uh, we use a a system or a, a methodology called everyday business storytelling. Highly recommend it. I've got my you book. You have it. I right have there. mine. <laughs> So uh, authors of everyday business storytelling, uh, you're welcome. We are plugging your product. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we live in it. And it's really how you take, I mean, data is everywhere today, right? Like it's coming out of the rafters. Every organization has more data than they know what to do with what, what's it's so much that you almost don't know what's important, what to focus on. And our goal it really is, is to give data a storyline. So we focus on you know, context and setting and conflict, um, conflict with a positive, you know, a positive notion. It doesn't have to be uh, tough or mean. And then really resolution, which is the action item. So we take the data and we try to create and understand your buyer's stories. Um, for instance, if you have a organization that operates under a high RFP environment, who are those buyers? What are they feeling? Why do we need to act and maintain a certain relationship with those buyers that may be very, very different than a, um, a buyer who is making it alone, a decision alone for their entire department, has never made a decision like this before, and has never completed a project management course or a solution implementation in their life? the storyline of what to do and how to relate and how you go about understanding that buyer and then making a recommendation is very, very different. Mm. Plus, I think, I think humans are built for story. Aren't we? We're built for narrative. Um, you share, I mean, there, there's all kinds of research and, and studies that have shown this, but if you share data points, people aren't going to remember any of that. But if you share a story, if you share a story of what happened and the trends in story and narrative format, the likelihood of them retaining increases substantially and then doing something about it. I think you and I chatted about early in the week that you've never seen a TED talk that just has like number slides, right? That just kind of piece through over and over and over five, six, 12, that you don't do that, right? It's always in a story form. Um, and so, you know, as, at PI, we do take it incredibly serious. Again, it, I, I spend as much time on this as I do anything is how do we take your data, take your insights, and understand your um, environment at that intimate level where then you can take it. And again, whether you're at the executive level, a sales leader level, or an individual rep level, integrate it into your day-to-day -day and, and make some actionable changes that really our end in mind is to, to change behavior and get better results. Okay. So let's get to how often. Um, let me ask another question, a tricky question. How often should insights be shared? I mean, are we smacking people in the face with insights and data all day long? I mean, what, what do we do here? Sure. Um, I would love to, but the answer is no, <laughs> right? That would be my preferred method always, every day, all day. Um, but but I don't think I would keep this role very long if, if that was so. Um, and really, we're going to go back to those three groups and how they kind of interpret it or, or use this data differently. When we're talking about those individual sales reps, it's in real time. As soon as they get a top level insight from 
a um, prospect that they've worked with or now client because they've won it, hopefully, it, it's it's consume it, right? There's rarely more than you know one to three opportunities a week. They can garner a tremendous amount of information um, that's super recent uh, and use it. And those, I, I mean, it probably takes three to five minutes, right, to consume an individual deal feedback for a rep when they get one. Sales managers and coaches monthly, right? Um, and we have the tool for them, True Voice. We haven't talked much about it, but it's super powerful. Again, another thing I actually wish I could make everybody go into every single day, all day. True Voice, um, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> True Voice. And uh, to inform them, you know, what are their individual reps doing and do they need help anywhere? Also use it for, you know, highlighting great deals. Who won? Who should I celebrate? We know we're all meeting together. Um, and then what do I tell them? How do I encourage them? How do I lead them effectively? And having the data of why we're winning, why we're losing, what our competitors are doing is really helpful for sales, sales coaches, leaders, managers to have that um, on a monthly basis. And then lastly, those executives. Um, the magic wand. So anytime they have a question, truly, if they come to you and they say, hey, so-and-so, I've been wondering about this. And you say, oh my gosh, I have a tool. I can get you that information. So, you know, for them actually in, in real time as they need to consume it based on, on things that come up within their, their world, but um, in a more organized fashion, you know, annually, quarterly or biannually. Um, and that's really to make those bigger strategic decisions around what they're seeing in their marketplace and how they can impact the sales team to, to drive more wins. Revenue. Let's, let's further go into impact. So um, if I'm somebody running a win-loss program and I'm starting to share these insights, what, what kind of impact should I expect or hope for from sharing these you know, insights? Yeah, well, hopefully the executive team keeps coming to you with more questions, right? What about this? What about that? Oh, that is like one of the best indicators, right? If they yes. keep asking questions, you're doing a good job. Exactly. It, it, yes, 100%. Um, you actually see your salespeople... Uh, creating action items. And that's done in, in conjunction with the sales leaders, right? They'll get together and say, here's some things we're seeing. Um, another organization that I work with actually did, you know, kind of what are called quote unquote, you know, tiger team breakdowns where they actually had meetings with the salespeople to say, here's what we're thinking about doing based on some of the feedback. Does that align to with where you have, you know, where you have gaps team, is it helping? What can we continue to do to move forward? Um, and we have seen their win rates go up. So that's exciting. Uh, the other impact, and this is just totally anecdotal, but personal, again, as a, someone who's in, in sales at one point, is some work-life balance. It's really a work-life balance tool. Um, imagine being able to move faster, have better information, tailor your proposals, um, tailor your conversations, your call planning, all of these things more quickly, efficiently, effectively, it's, it's in that sense, like I said, I would demand it if I was a, a salesperson. Yeah. Okay. So Nicole, uh, you know, give us the, the, the one, right. We always do this in the show. We always conclude kind of our conversation with what's the one piece of advice. If you had to take everything that we talked about today and boil it into one, what, what's the single point piece of advice that you would give our listeners today to help them better share win-loss insights? I love that question. It's a super hard question to answer, but I think if I had to had to say transparency would be my answer. Do not hoard this information. 
we have clients and partners who, by the way, I absolutely love and adore and spend a lot of time with, but they become these kind of gatekeepers or hoarders of information. And it's so difficult to them watch them struggle kind of getting the momentum they want within the organization. And they do it with the best of intention, right? It's because I don't want anyone's feelings hurt or I don't want it to be misunderstood or I want to be able to control the conversation. But when's it, what ends up happening is it, it sort of, um, it doesn't like fizzle out and burn and go away. It just sort of is the same, right? Month over month, week over week, year over year. And I did that in the wrong order, but you know, it just kind of stays stagnant. You don't get any like hype about it. And we want to create hype around you, right? We want you to be the person who's running the program and sharing this with executives and salespeople to be like the number one go-to answer of all things important around win rates and competitive intelligence. We want to make you the superhero. Um, and we can't do that if you don't share the data. Mm. Nicole, Sister Sledge, my friend. Uh, so fun having you on the show today. Thank you for your thoughtful approach to the questions. Thank you for bringing lists to the table because I don't function without them. Uh, so, so thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. All right. And listeners, uh, win-loss can't live, should not, should not live in a silo. Your buyer feedback can create incredible alignment between your go-to-market teams from the, the top level executive all the way down to the individual contributor and everything in between. It's not enough just to get the data. You need insights that are actionable. If you're a customer of ours, talk with your CSM. They'll help you socialize your program with others in your organization so that you can be the champion. If you are not running win-loss and you are interested in running win-loss, we highly encourage you to look into it. Okay. These insights are so impactful for your sellers and your go-to-market teams. You won't find anything more helpful in the marketplace. For more information, check out our show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.